that make you proud to be Scottish? It's shite being Scottish! We're the lowest of the low! The scum of the fucking earth! The most wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that was ever shot into civilization! Hello and welcome to What The Fork podcast at the Euros. After a 23-year wait for Scotland's men's team to reach a major tournament, Scotland went and done as Scotland and lost 2-0 to the Czech Republic at Hamden. But in Scotland, we don't really do sadness. We do self-depreciation and gallows humour. So today's show is probably going to be a belter because of that. Uh, first on the show is a man with a head so wonderful and shiny and round, he could be mistaken for an orange with a goatee. Welcome to the show, Scott Kennedy. How are you doing? Are you all right? Uh, I think you're probably going to find out over the next 45 minutes or so how I'm feeling, but uh, blood pressure's come down a wee bit, so aye, we'll, we'll soon find it. Um, rejoining us again, a man who's actually now making his hat trick within a week, is the only man who feels the same pain of only having Kyle Lafferty for six months at his football club. It's a daily record's Gabe Mackay. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm all right. Glad to be back. A little bit disappointed by the game, but we'll, I'm sure we'll hash that one out. We will. I hope so anyway, because otherwise the show is just going to be a total disappointment for anyone tuning in for wanting to hear about the game, aren't they? Um, and last but not least, the only man involved in football podcasts with a bigger contacts book than Cy Ferry is football CFB's Callum McFadden. Callum, I haven't spoke to you for ages, mate. How are you doing? Are you all right? Not bad. Um, as, as the guys have hinted, I just absolutely gutted after after today, as we'll, we'll come to. But, but as you say, typical Scotland, we've, we've got to have a laugh at it as well. Oh yeah, I and mean, we've already been laughing about it in the first five minutes off air, haven't we? So I'm sure we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll get the gallows humour. But, but Scott, I'll come to you first. Um, what did you make of the game? If that's not asking a stupid question, I'm, I'm kind of glad that we, we didn't just record straight after because my answer then would have been different now that I've had a chance to sort of reflect a wee bit. And you know. I think that the easiest way really that I can sum it up is uh, I watched the game with my dad and my mate and his dad as well. And at the end of it, my, my dad turned around and said, you know what, they've not been better than us in any department other than the fact that they had a 40 million euro striker who scored two goals pretty much out of nothing, you know, not taking anything away from particularly the second goal. Um, you know, that's the difference for me and having sort of calmed down and having a, a, a sort of semi-rational think about it. Uh, you know, we, we had the chances. You know, we, we did have some spells of quite good play. Um, I'm just disappointed that I think if one of those chances had went in, then we would have gotten a draw at least from the game. Even at 2-0 down, if one of those chances had went in, I think we would have went on and, and taken a draw. Do you, do you think, Scott, um, at risk of criticising my own podcast, which is totally fine. Um, it, I said self-depreciation, didn't I? So there you go. Um, did, do you think that maybe, not we, but Scotland as a whole and, and maybe the whole group has maybe took Czech Republic a little bit too lightly like and kind of forgot they have a 40 million euro striker like up front and stuff like that? I think we, you know, when we, we talked in the preview uh, the other day, you know, I think we, we all sort of agreed that Czech Republic, you either get them sort of one way or another. You get them either really good one or you way get them really another. bad. I'm going to, sorry. Yeah, you, you, you will be when I'm in this mood if you keep singing. 
Uh, but we, you know, you, we did say you get them one way or another, and today we got them another way. So there you go. How's that song for that? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's the yeah. next. It's the next. Yes, sir. I can boogie, isn't it? So. Aye, um, so you know, I, I think that they weren't brilliant. They weren't dreadful. But you know, they scored two goals. So I don't think that we necessarily underestimated them. I think that perhaps, certainly for me, maybe a wee bit of it was just sort of getting carried away, you know, we're, we're going to our first tournament for 23 years years, and, and obviously we're going to win it because we're Scotland and we've got Davy Marshall and he saved a penalty and this and that and the next thing. And I think maybe for me, maybe it got caught up a wee bit in the hype rather than rationally assessing, you know, what the task that was actually in front is. It's kind of like the kid that goes to the fairground, isn't it? Gets really excited and gets in, just like pisses himself. Hi, I mean, yeah. let's be honest, Graham. You know, we, we've been doing previews of the podcast of the tournament and stuff. It would have been, it wouldn't have been great, like if I had came on here the other night and been like, "Yes, yeah, so I think the Czech Republic will probably play an average style of football and beat us two <laughs> 0 Um, thank you very much for for having me. You know, that just that doesn't make for good listening. So, uh, here we go. Yeah, well, I'll come on to you next, mate. Uh, same question. What did you make of the game? Yeah, I think I, t- I can't really take issue with uh, much of what Scott said there. I mean... Which is a first, to be fair, for all of us, isn't it? It is, it is absolutely, yeah. I think it's one of those where I think we were disappointing. There are things that we got wrong. There are things I think that Steve Clark got wrong, which we can come on to. But in the in the sort of cold light of a few hours later, we did probably have the better chances. Um I think, I think, I mean, I think we, as Scott said, we did say on the podcast last time, I mean, I think I said that I think the Czech Republic are better than people give them credit for. But I mean, they weren't, I mean, it's not like they were all over us and how can you legislate for a guy smashing it in from the halfway line, do you know what I mean? Uh, which again, I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to a bit more, but I think, I think it was a disappointing one, but there's still the fact that, I mean, I know this is not a metric that... Uh, people are necessarily hugely keen on but if you look at like the expected goals from the game I think Scotland's was 1.85 and the Czechs was 0.85 and we've come out with a 2-0 defeat again one of those goals was from the halfway line which I think would have a very very low expected goal rating but if you look just on on that kind of metric and the shots the number of block shots we had you mean I probably brought it on by slagging off the Czech central defenders because they threw in a couple of amazing blocks um, but uh, I think in ordinary circumstances, you get at least a point from that game. And it was just two big incidents where one's a, a wonder goal that there were mistakes on, as I'm sure we'll come on to. And the other, we've just not defended the aftermath of a set piece properly. And we've let the big man, the 40 million euro striker, get a header in. Callum, you're always quite a balanced young man. Um, I bet you were raging afterwards, which like Scott and, and Gabe have both said couple of hours uh, to kind of calm down and, and, and assess the game. But what did you make of it, mate? I'll be honest with you. After the game, I was I was absolutely raging because I think it was natural with, it, with obviously the boogie situation and, and the excitement. I mean, the last time we got to a major tournament, I was three years old. So for me, this was something of, right, I've never seen this before. And I think we've got some really good players. You think of Robertson, obviously, at Liverpool. You think of Tierney Arsenal, who obviously missed out, which I think, played a big part in, in some of the, the mistakes that were made today, uh, particularly with building from the back. I think he's far better at building from the back than, than Cooper, who is a, is a good defender, but he, he doesn't quite have the, the same mobility. Um, so I think, to be honest, I get caught up a bit in, in the hype. I mean, 
it's fair to say some of the players that we've got were amazing against Serbia, but they do have obvious limitations. Stephen O'Donnell, for me, he's not an international class right back. He tries his best, but at times today he looked really out of his depth. David Marshall for the heroics in Serbia, again, towards the end of the season, he wasn't getting a game at Derby. Um, Jack Henry is someone who, when he was at Celtic, had very obvious limitations. I know he's went to Belgium and, and had a really good season, but is he international class at centre-back? I know we don't have any options in that area, but it seemed as if there were some obvious limitations in the squad that I suppose came home to us today. Hindsight's a, a beautiful thing, but I just think Shea Adams should have started the game. I felt he really lifted Scotland when he, when he came on at half-time. And Lyndon Dykes, for me, is a really good player at holding the ball up, but for me, he can't carry the ball forward as well. Um, whereas I feel Adams can do a bit of both. And I'd quite like to have seen Adam start the game. And I think that's a real conundrum that Clark has for, for Friday against England. I mean, <laughs> you hint, I mean, people have hinted that Tierney may be missing Friday. That that gives me the fear um completely because I think he, he's badly needed. And as I say, I was I was really gutted and disappointed after the game and a bit angry because as I say, I think I did get caught up in the hype. And I think the thing that's frustrating is Normally with Scotland, we have this build-up and you think, right, we'll get played off the park and you'll be fizzing and you'll say, oh, it's typical Scotland, we were rubbish. But I felt that we were decent on the ball and spells with most of the possession and we really should have taken a few of those chances. I felt Robertson could have scored in the first half. He really should have hit the target and tested the goalkeeper. Henry was unlucky, I suppose, when, when you look at his opportunity as well and, and Dykes had a couple of chances that on another day, maybe he, he would have scored. But I just, I'm left with a sense of real frustration because I feel that the Czechs and they are a, a decent side, but I don't think they're a, spectac- a spectacular side. And I suppose people will be saying the same about us, but I just felt we had a real chance today. And, and I feel that we've, we've, we've got no real chance of qualification now, um, if I'm being brutally honest. But of course, when, when you look at the England match, you're, you're thinking, albeit with your, with your heart, maybe than your, rather than your head, that anything is possible. But I just feel today was was the big opportunity. Yeah, I think that's what it got billed as, wasn't it? And almost like you said before, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It's almost like maybe could we? I think we all looked at Czech Republic and went, "Well, if Scotland are going to qualify, like we've got the easiest game first on paper." Probably would have wanted it the other way around. If you get beat off, say Croatia or England first game, you go, "Well, we can iron out those mistakes." In a way, it's probably been the wrong way to have the games because now you feel a bit like oh bloody hell like England and Croatia to come who are on paper significantly better than the side we've just got beat 2-0 off in a sense you'd probably would have preferred them a bit later in the group stage I think in hindsight wouldn't you? Absolutely and and I think for Steve Clark obviously as I, as I mentioned Kieran Tierney missing this game is I think has, has been a big factor in, in the way we've played at times because, as I say, he's got recovery pace, which means he can take more of a risk when, when he's bringing the ball out compared to the others that were played. But the fact that there was hints after the game that he might not be available for Friday just, just terrifies me because the back three that we've played, I just think against England, where you've got players with unbelievable pace like Rashford and Sterling, um, you've got a focal point in Kane, who I think they might be able to handle. Um, but, but as I say, with the pace in and around that, for me, it's, it could be a recipe for disaster. And maybe I suppose after today, I'm I'm going to be thinking in a very negative and doing manner. And on Friday, like maybe a typical Scotland side when the 
when the chips are down, we come out and, and we put in an incredible performance. But as I say, I just felt that today was a massive opportunity. It's been a missed opportunity. And, and it, just, it just makes it makes you have that typical Scottish fear ahead of the next two games rather than the optimism we entered the tournament with. It's quite funny talking about feeling positive on Friday. I, I mean, from from a work podcast that I do, I've just been speaking to a former Scotland manager, Craig Brown, and the host of that particular show asked him for his uh, his prediction, and he predicted nine three to Scotland. So, if you want a bit of positivity, you can just listen to that podcast. And uh, I think you might have been joking, like, but um, nonetheless positive. Scott, I'm going to come back to you. Um, I think when you probably support the teams that we do, that are typically not that successful. Like for every Sunderland story, there's a Motherwell story. For every Gwynick Morton story, there's a Kilmarnock story. Like, 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 let's be honest about it. We're not we're not the Rangers, the Celtics, the Man United, the Liverpools of this world. Um, did you feel a little bit when Stephen O'Donnell backheeled it out of, out of play when he was under no pressure in the first five minutes? Did you start worrying a little bit at that point that it might just be one of those days? Uh, not really, no, because obviously I... And I don't know, Gabe might say the same, but I've spent the last season watching Stephen O'Donnell and he's attempted a back heel on numerous occasions and hasn't made contact with the ball. So that's actually progress uh, for me. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I was just, I turned to, to my mate and, you know, I, uh, my mate that I was watching the game with is who um, obviously I go to Fur Park with. And Has you got a name, by the way? Because you said he, he's mate, me mate, and me mate, but you haven't said his name yet. His name's Algy Allen. Algae, um, cool. Big, a big, big algae, we call him. Um, so I talked to Big Algae and he talked to me and we just laughed. Like we, we just didn't even say anything. And like our two dads just turned around and looked at us as if like, why why are he laughing? He's literally just like back heeled the ball. And it was a pretty straightforward ball as well. I don't think it was too difficult a, a pass. He's just back heeled a simple ball at the park and you two are laughing. And, and that, exactly what you say, Graham, that's what it was. It was just, Stephen O'Donnell has switched his Motherwell shirt for a Scotland shirt. We've switched for Park for his couch, and there we go. And if you don't laugh, you would just, you know, cry, which I did a wee bit. Yeah. I think big thing, we've mentioned it a little bit in our assumption of the game. Let's not make no bones about it. I know I mention it on every podcast, but I'm England first and foremost, but I love Scotland, yada, yada. So desperate for you to win today because um, it would have made a great spectacle on Friday as well. On top of that, it's, a, it's a, maybe not as big as it was going to be now. Um, but when I seen your team, I kind of went, oh God, he's looking like he's wanting to go for a draw here. What's he doing? Like, And I thought, you know what? I criticised England's team selection on um, yesterday, whatever day that was, um, Sunday. And Calvin Phillips was man of the match, so, you know, should have Graham, you don't know. But, like, it, it turns out I was actually a little bit right. Uh, the team selection was a bit weird. Uh, the big one for me, if I'm honest, I know people criticise certain selections and stuff, but Ryan Christie was, like, the really odd one for me instead of Che Adams. Or even if he played Che Adams and dropped Lyndon Dykes and played Ryan Christie behind him, Ryan Christie's not particularly a man hugely in form. Um, but did you feel like that as well, Scott, when it came to the lineup? Would you... Was that the lineup you would have wanted? When I had a look at it, I felt, you know, with, with the three and then the two, uh, the sort of wing backs, and you know, obviously they're going to be pushing up the park. I, I felt a wee bit like that's a formation which works well when both Robertson and Tierney are both fit, obviously. You know, and, and essentially we can we can class it however we want, but we're playing that 
sort of possession and that style and that formation to get both of them in to um, the, the start in the living. So, someone, would... someone singing Flowers Scotland outside, that's why I'm laughing, by the way. It's like there's a big crowd of guys singing Flowers Scotland. I live at Hamden Park, so I suppose it's to be expected, but nonetheless. That's all right. Get, <laughs> get them in. Get them in. Oh, give us a bit of cheer. I don't think um, we get up the stairs, mate, to be honest with you, looking at the stairs. <laughs> no. Make it, get the number bother right enough. Uh, I push. Think, you know, um, no, I was surprised, as you say, Graham, to see Christy starting. And I, I do quite like Christy, but obviously, you know, again, as I mentioned on the, the preview, I, I like uh, McGregor as well. And, and Christy, are two, they are two players that I like, but certainly their form this season, I don't necessarily think that is has been good enough to to give them uh, to justify them being in the squad or in the team for today. So I would have liked to have seen probably either Che Adams or Nisbet up there with Dykes. I, I wouldn't, as we said the other night, I wouldn't have been too annoyed either. Um, and I probably, you know, I would maybe have just went three at the back and maybe obviously Robertson would still have been playing there. But I'm not sure if I would have went for, for O'Donnell on the other side. And obviously, you know, I, I do like Stephen O'Donnell. And he's, I think he's a, he's a good SPL standard player. But that's it for me, you know. That is yeah. it. I think they were talking about being defensively sound, which probably got me a little bit. And they were, they were talking before the game um, on like a preview show I was watching. And they were saying about, oh, I would go for James Forrest. And everyone else went, oh, but, well, you know, but, like, against the Czech Republic, like, again, as much as I've said, like, are we, like, are we saying they're not as good as they used to be? I think the defence played quite well today, to be fair, but on paper, like, James Forrest is no, you, it's not, you can't play James Forrest, you're not playing against Cafu, you know what I mean? Or, like, Roberto Carlos, like, you're playing against championship standard players, really. Uh, so, James Forrest is in exactly the same league, if not a bit high. I mean, James Forrest has got tons of talent, so you can probably negate on that a little bit. But the left-hand side with with Cooper, good defender Cooper, I think, but it did feel a bit of a, a weird one because he's just a totally different player to KT and obviously nowhere near as good. Um, Gabe, you touched on it a little bit before. Um, David Marshall has gone from boogie into a, a meme now, uh, which is it's just so very Scotland. But he got like quite a lot of stick for being that far off the line. Was it his fault or can he just not legislate for a goal of that quality? I think there were, he certainly, I think he would know himself that he was too far off the line, but you've got to take other things into account, I think. The first is he can't have been expecting Hendry to inexplicably try and shoot from that position. He had the ball on to Stephen O'Donnell outside on the right of him. He was a long way out. He had a Czech defender in front of him. I mean, the chances of him scoring from there, I know he scored against the Netherlands, so his confidence will be up, but there was no way he was ever scoring from there. So Marshall couldn't have been expecting that. And then the second is, it comes to Schick. He doesn't even take a touch, by the way. He looks up, he sees where Marshall is. It comes on his left foot. I think they said it was 49.7 yards out or something on the coverage after the game. He hits it first time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've seen the picture, the angle from behind it, where it looks like the ball's going about 10 yards wide and it just bends in at, at pace. Did he get his positioning wrong initially? He did, and I think he would know that. But you can't. he couldn't have ever expected A, Henry to shoot and B, Schick to be able to unleash a shot like that. I mean, that's a, a one-in-a-million goal. I mean, it's uh, they were talking on the TV earlier. It's probably... in 
Euros goal up there in the top 10 already. I mean, it was yeah. just a great strike. And I think you just have to, I think, I mean, I was doing the live blog for the record and when it went in, I basically just said, look, sometimes you've just got to hold your hands up and take your hat off to a great goal, which is what that was. You can point the finger at Marshall, you can point the finger at Hendry, and I think they both could have done better. But at the end of the day, 99 times out of 100, that goal doesn't go in because it's just an absolute wonder strike. And I think you've just got to, as I say, hold your hands up and just congratulate uh, Sheck on a fantastic strike. Looking at the the goal, I remember when Henry shot, I literally, I literally watched it and I went, oh, no, don't do that. Because I thought he was going to break and then play it at the lad next to him. I can't remember who it was, but I thought, I thought uh, the lad who scored was going to pass it on. As it was, he went and did that, which was bizarre. But just to go back to Hendry, um, I'll throw this one at you, Callum. I found out today that Scotland have got the least amount of capped plays at the tournament. So technically the most internationally inexperienced side at the entire tournament, let alone not being there for 23 years for the men's side. Um, Hendry shooting rather than passing, is that kind of the little bit of naivety that's potentially going to creep into the Scotland team over the next couple of games based on their inexperience? I think that's a fair point, Graham. And I think when Jack Henry is, is uh, games mentioned, his he's confidence is up. He scored the goal against the Netherlands. He's probably thinking, I've, I'm coming into this tournament. I'm playing really well. Tierney's injured, so I've got a, a real opportunity to come into this team and potentially play in all three games. And he, he's taking the, the shot on. And obviously, with hindsight, it looks it looks crazy. And, and, and as Gabe said, with Marshall, it's very easy now to sit back and really have a go at Marshall but that goal was one in a million it's the sort of goal um, that, that when it goes in you just have to look at it and, and you can't help but applaud because it's just outrageous I mean no matter where Marshall was to, to get it in from the angle with the pace and, and, and the curl it was just it was just utterly outrageous but I think that naivety was there and I think when when you look behind sight maybe Steve Clark will think to himself could have played McTominay and, and as one of the back three and and I think that there could be an argument for that, especially considering Tierney wasn't there. But I think the problem, Graham, for Scotland was always going to be the centre-half positions and the goalkeeping position. Um, Marshall was great against Serbia. I don't think he is an outstanding goalkeeper anymore. I think he was at a point in his career. And he is still a good goalkeeper, but I don't think he's outstanding. I mean, he's playing bottom-half championship, and that's probably where he is at the moment in his career. Craig Gordon, of course, is playing Scottish Championship, but in reality, would have been playing Scottish Premiership. Hearts, of course, are pretty much a Scottish Premiership. Well, they are now, but last season, they, they had a Premiership squad, albeit the Championship. And then you've got John McLaughlin, who, again, is a decent goalkeeper, but he's the understudy to Alan McGregor. And in an ideal world, it would be great to be able to have got Alan McGregor to the tournament and have him playing. But, of course, you have to be, I suppose, loyal, especially to the goalkeepers who have got you there, because for Marshall and Gordon, it would have been the ultimate kicking the teeth to be replaced by someone who retired from international just a long way ago. So I think that was a position that was always going to worry me. The centre-back options do worry me in the sense that I think Cooper's a good defender, not the most comfortable at bringing the ball out from the back, doesn't have the greatest deal of pace. Handley, the same can be levelled at him, but I have to be honest, I thought he was very good today for large parts of the game. He showed great recovery pace um, when, when the checks had a counter. I thought he was commanding in the air and even to the wee sort of mini Cruyff turn as well in the first I half. I saw which, that. I was like, what are you doing, which, Brent? Like... <laughs> it was, it, it bless him. And, and I think he's the sort of player who gets a lot of criticism for not being at times the most easy in the eye and the most composed. But he was very composed there. And as I say, I thought he had a decent game for the, for, for the most part. But 
that's the position that even if you take Henry out, as I say, what are you going to move McTominay back in? I don't think Gallagher was available at all today. So yeah, you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I don't think he was ever going to start the game with a, a back four. I think he was always going to stick with his his three at the back or five at the back in the back, depending how you look at it. But but I think it's a it's a system that suits Robertson and Tierney when they're both available. They complement each other well. You think of Sheffield United in the, the first season in the Premier League under Chris Wilder. Tierney and Robertson have got that connection where Tierney, even though he's a centre-back, can end up going and joining uh, as one of the, the, the attacking elements of the team. So I think that was badly lacking. And something that I'm interested to, to get the guy's opinion on in yours, Graham, is, is Clark's use of substitutions. I watched an awful lot of Celtic and I was stunned to see Callum McGregor come onto the field at the time that he did. If you're putting on a Celtic midfielder when you're trying to get back in the game, you get Celtic's player of the year and David Turnbull on the bench. And I know Celtic were rotten last year. Um, and, and, and that's something that, that you could aim at most of the players, if not all. But to play, to, to put McGregor on ahead of, of, of Turnbull, I thought was quite strange. And, and even when you've got a player like Gilmore on the bench, who, yes, is an experienced, but is a creative player and someone who, in terms of natural talents, probably up there with the very best in the squad, or is the best in the squad, you could say in terms of natural raw ability. So I felt McGregor coming on at the time that he did was frustrating. I think putting Forrest on in 78 minutes was also frustrating because James Forrest has experience of playing wing-back. He played wing-back under Brendan Rodgers, albeit sparingly. And then um, in Celtic's season that was curtailed, obviously, due to, due to COVID, he played right wing-back under Neil Lennon quite a lot. So I think if you're trying to get back in the game, and they put him on a lot earlier. And I think, for me, Clark is someone who, at times, a lot of people really pigeonhole has been a really pragmatic manager who's always maybe more happy than with a draw than he is at maybe risking uh, going for a win and getting a defeat. And, and I think today that, that showed a wee bit at times. I think he was very pragmatic. And I think when he, when he reflects upon that game, I think he'll wish he made certain changes earlier than he did because Forrest did look lively when he came on, albeit he didn't have a lot of time in the park. I think just to go back to the, the point you were asking before, I, I really agree with you on that. I think, I mean, I'm biased, but I don't rate McGregor that much and I certainly haven't rated him this season. Obviously, you do, Scott. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Gabe, but you, you kind of felt not similar to me, but you were, you'd were been happy. He would have been the one you would have taken out of the midfield for Gilmore or, say, Turnbull. Um, she, I thought Stuart Armstrong was all right today, to be honest, um, and I can understand his inclusion, but then... I mean, Ashley, when he came on, Ashley said, well, McGregor's not going to change it, is he? It's the first thing that she said. Um, Scott, when you're looking at the substitutions, actually, as, as Callum raised a really good point, when you're looking at the substitutions and the players that it brings on, he's bringing a midfielder on. You've got Turnbull, who you've obviously seen a lot of, Billy Gilmore, who's obviously exciting, and Callum McGregor. Which one do you want to see the least with, like, half an hour to go? Hi, Callum McGregor, and... I see that as, you know, I've, I've said in the, the podcast many a times, okay, again, you know, we, we continue to go back to, to this season and obviously Celtic not having a great season, and etc. But I do genuinely like Callum McGregor. I do think he is a good player. I do think at times he can be a bit hot or cold, but... You Definitely dyes his hair. Definitely you know, dyes his hair. He's 100% ginger. I've seen that kind of do before, but that's besides the point. Don't, don't we all, mate? I mean... <laughs> Who, who doesn't? No, don't know why I'm telling you. You know nothing about it. <laughs> I, I, I uh, brush my teeth with just for men because I thought that's what you do for it. Um, but I, you know, like you say, I've seen a lot of Turnbull, and 
I'm not going to sit here and say that he should have brought Turnbull on because then again it sounds like oh here's the the Mullerwell fan saying that you know the guy who made them three point two five million quid or whatever should definitely be have been brought on. But Gilmore or Turnbull at that point is forward thinking. It's you know and again they, I still think that there's two different types of players even between them, but the skills that they have and the attributes that they have at that point, I think would have been what we needed to take the ball from the midfield forward, not into the midfield, into McGregor and then sideways or back, which is what happened quite a lot of the time um, when he when he had the ball. So it was funny because, again, we, we were having this conversation maybe about 15 minutes before and we said, ideally, who would we want to see on? And that's what we said. And I, at that point, I said, I don't think O'Donnell was off at this point when I said this. I said, triple substitution, Patterson, Turnbull, Gilmer, let's go for it. You know, we're 2-0 down, you know, as we said at the beginning, this is one of the games that we would be looking to take the points from. The first game, probably the most winnable game. And I know we talked about that we underestimate them, but even if we didn't underestimate them, Czech Republic are only two places above us in the FIFA rankings. So they're the, the team which should be the closest to us. And we had a conversation about who would we bring on? That was who we should bring on. And who did we think he would bring on? And both of us said... Um, I didn't say McGregor, but I thought that he would bring on, certainly that he would bring on Forrest uh, at that point. Is it maybe a wee bit predictable? I don't know, but hopefully, uh, hopefully he learns from that. And I think we, we need to, you know, we've got three days to learn from that and look and see what do we need in the midfield and how can the best combination of players complement each other in there? I think we touched on it in the preview show before. Um, I'm obviously not a Celtic fan, but David Turnbull is statistically the most creative player in the Scottish Premiership last season. And I don't mean by a little bit, I mean far and wide. Like, I think his nearest competitor was Borna Barisic, which I know is a bit weird because he's a left back. But like, I mean, you're talking, <laughs> it's been a phenomenal season for Rangers so to even get close to anyone in the team. That almost He was almost double the amount of key key passes so I think a lot of people fixate on Gilmore and I can understand that because I think you needed to play to put your foot on the ball and dictate play I think Billy Gilmore can do that but I also think even if you look at it from a statistical point of view and you're thinking right I need to bring someone on Turnbull was the obvious choice alongside like I say Gilmore one of, one of those two whereas McGregor felt very um I hate using the word because we've used it a lot with uh Steve Clark but it felt like a pragmatic substitution if you wanted to get a draw like it just didn't I just don't think McGregor's the player that he used to be, really. Uh, I think he's molding more and more into where Scott Brown with hair. Although Scott Brown does have hair, he just chooses not to have it, uh, which is weird. Um, but he, he he's molding more and more into that kind of vision of a, a, a guy as a water carrier, essentially, and you're bringing him on. It's, I think it was not only my household that went, well, he's not going to change the game. Turnbull, Gilmore might have done nothing different, but they might have done. And, and, and that's the kind of annoying thing, I think, that they were just sat on the bench when you were 2-0 down. Um, I'll come to, to you, Gabe, on this one. Um, with the team selection, Armstrong was probably the actual surprise. And I think he was one of the ones that came out of, of credit. Do you go with the same sort of team on Friday or would you like to see four or five changes? Well, there'll have to be changes for Friday, I think, after the performance today. Obviously, we all hope that Tierney will will be back and able to play. So I think that's an obvious change. Such a massive player, isn't he? Like you just don't yeah. realise until he's not there how much I, I, I hand on heart here, I think he's better than Robbo. 
and I think you, you see it at both both ends of the pitch because if you look at where their goal comes from, it's so foul breaking forward, you know, overlapping and getting that cross in. And if he's got the concern of Tierney and Robertson going the other way, I mean, we spoke in the preview show that the checks that they push their fullbacks up. I mean, I probably said that four or five times, but the hope would be if you get Tierney and Robertson on that side, that limits how much he's getting forward. Then when Tierney doesn't play, I know it's sort of the aftermath of a set piece, but you look at how he got, I mean, he was at the byline when he swung it in and that's the, the right back. And I think that's maybe a slightly different situation if Tierney and Robertson are in there. Uh, I think as well, I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I, I like Stephen O'Donnell as a player. I think, as Scott said, I think probably the Scottish top flight's his level. Now, before the game today, if you'd have said, should Patterson be in, I would have said, look, he's had one cap for 25 minutes. He's started five games for Rangers this season. It's a real big ask to put a player in for a game like that. And he came on to a game when he came on against Luxembourg, but he got rinsed twice in the first five minutes he was on. So I understand uh, if you're Steve Clark, you've got O'Donnell who's played all throughout the qualification campaign. And then a 19 year old who has not played much first team football at club level, never mind international level up against, uh, as we saw, the, the checks were good down that side. I mean, I think that's partly as well. You'd have to say O'Donnell, he was up against, Two good players, uh, Borgil obviously getting forward from the left back as well. But I'd start Patterson against England. I just think I hear the argument for Forrest, but he's also not played a lot of football this season. And I just think if you put Patterson in, all right, if he if he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it. But it gives you something different. And you know, if you if you're going into that game against England at 19, he'll play with no fear, and he, he'll give you more going forward than what I think Stephen O'Donnell did, certainly today. I thought I thought right from the start, I mean, again, I think I said it when I was doing the blog about that back heel that we talked about, he did look in that moment like he's, he's nervous here, you know. Uh, it's, you, you know, sometimes you can just watch a player and you, you think they're, they're really trying really hard, but they're, they're sort of almost trying too hard. Like they're mm-hmm. just really trying to make a, an impression on the game when they need calm down and you could see Robertson and I think it was O'Donnell he was talking to when he was saying calm down, calm down and I think he shouted sod, calm down so yeah I'd, I'd probably put Turnbull in I'd, I'd like to see Gilmore get a start as well, again that's a, that's a big ask, he, he's 18 but he doesn't seem like a player who who is sort of uh, you know cracks under that kind of pressure he's played in some big games for Chelsea and I just think when you're going into that game against England, you've got the, the impetuousness of youth. These guys will go in with no fear. And let's be honest, we're expected to lose that game. It's it's sort of a obviously it's a game against England and you're Scotland, so it's it's never it's never fully what you'd call a free hit. But it's as close to a free hit as you're going to get because either way, it's going to come down to depending on other results. You've got Croatia at home in the last game. If there's any chance of qualifying that's the game you're going to have to win. I think if you know if, if the Czechs beat them and England beat us, then the top two are both through, and it's basically a shootout, and you're relying on results from the other group. So I say, just I would I would go. I would put guys like Gilmore, Patterson, maybe even Turnbull, or bring them off the bench. I'd, I'd put them in there. You know, throw throw them in, throw them into the sort of heat of battle, and see how they do. I was going to say I'm saying nothing about Friday until the game's over as an Englishman. I'm not risking that at all on a recorded <laughs> podcast. Not a fucking chance. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Calma, I, I want to come to you a little bit with this. And uh, this is, I'm, I'm at risk of 
peeing a lot of people off here, but I say it as I say it, and that's as best I can do. A lot of the players seem really overawed by the occasion. Not every one of them, but seven or eight of them straight on. And you could see, you're touching it before, they gave Robbo saying, calm down, like just chill out. Because it felt like the players weren't doing that. They were kind of like, oh, I want to run everywhere. I've got all this nervous energy because it's a big, what am I doing? And it felt like that. But the crowd felt the same. And I don't know if maybe the people who won in the ballot were the wrong people. (laughs) I've never been to a Scotland game. I'm not going to judge on that. But there was... After the last anthem, the crowd felt flat. And, and I don't know if that's Hamden and the, how far it is. I mean, I don't think Hamden's the greatest for whipping up my atmosphere, especially when you've got 40,000 of the people that can fit in there missing, and especially when they're nervous. But but Callum, was it just me or did the, the crowd feel a little bit nervous as well, alongside about eight or nine of the players? I think that, that's fair, Graham. And I think, <laughs> as, as we all know, I mean, having watched Scotland for, for many years, it's, it's probably understandable. And and when a player like O'Donnell has the instant with the handball, it's, I mean, Gabe and, and Scott have mentioned it. I mean, at home, you're thinking, oh, no, here we go. And, and I think if you're watching that live, that's that's naturally going to creep in. And and, and Robertson, as you say, rightly, is, is saying, calm down, calm down. And, and I think when you feel at times that you've had a few chances and you've not taken them, it must be hard to stay calm in that situation because you think to yourself, if we get one of those chances, the crowd are really up, we've got them with us, and maybe the checks will fold under some pressure. But we had a few key opportunities, we didn't take them. And whether it's Sunday League or whether it's Champions League, conceding a goal just before half-time and then just after half-time, it completely derails you of any sense of confidence. And I think the goal just came at the worst possible time. I think if we managed to get in 0-0 at half-time, I think Steve Clark would have been relatively happy with that. Um, I think if you put Adams on at 0-0 at half-time and he, and he had a really positive impact at the start of the second half, it might lift people even more to think, right, still 0-0, we get ahead here, we're maybe holding on for 25, 20 minutes, we can do this. But I think going in behind really affected everyone because... Even in commentary, you're hearing Rob McLean just sum it up. Scotland need to score the next goal. They need to score the next goal. And there was always that kind of feeling that if the Czechs were to score next, it seemed like an insurmountable task to get back into it. And when Czech scores that absolute beauty, you just you just think to yourself, we're absolutely doomed here. And I remember thinking to myself, watching it, if we don't score before 70 minutes, there is absolutely no chance. And gradually as I'm looking at the clock and it's creeping up and it's creeping up I just felt I just don't think we're going to do this I think when Forrest as I say Forrest coming on really sparked a wee bit of life into us down that that right side um, in terms of going forward but I think it was just too little too late um, and as I say I come back to it and I'd love to know what Steve Clark thinks and obviously he'll be very coy in what he says to the media and rightly so because he doesn't want to obviously put himself in a position but I'd love to know if he looks at that now and thinks I really should have started Adams because for me, as I say, Dykes is a great hold-up player and, and he can be very physical in the box, but I feel that Adams personally can do a bit of both and I think he's the sort of guy I would really wanted to have seen start that game. I can understand if he'd went for one of Dykes and Adams, obviously he went with Dykes. I can understand why he went with that because I think if you go with both and they're both not having the best first half, it'd be a lot of pressure to put Kevin Nisbet on as a striker with the sheer pressure of being the only really available striker on the bench. And and I suppose if you're bringing Christie on at 60 minutes, is it again changing it? So it's 
it's one of those where you just think to yourself how how he will reflect Clark in terms of that key position up front. I would love to know because Adonnell, I think, is we're all saying he looked nervous, but I think most people picking the team would probably have put him in based on the qualifying performances. In terms of the centre-halves, as I said earlier, I don't really think... I mean, he could have dropped McTominay in there, but if he drops McTominay in there, does that mean he's going to start McGregor? Because I just don't think he was going to start Turnbull or Gilmore today. I just think that's in his nature. I just don't think they were going to get the start or get the nod. So I think he was always going to play with the back three or back five, depending on how you look at it. So his hands are tied, for want of a better phrase, in terms of his centre-back options. I'd love to know what he thought with the, with the striking option, but... I think that that fed into the, the nervousness of the crowd, Graham. I think when I just felt I was I, I was at work and and my boss had said to me, "Have you heard the news about Tierney?" and I, and, and I just looked absolutely shell shocked and explained, "Oh, he's not playing," um, and and it made me feel deflated. So when that team sheet gets read out on the tannoy and you hear that he's not even in the squad, it maybe is a bit natural to think, oh, "Damn, that's a that's a bit of a a, a, a missed opportunity." Because his direct replacement has to have a stormer of a game, i.e. Calvin Phillips. Everyone did the same and then went 50 minutes later. Like, oh, he's not a bad player, that kid. And then they changed. But you, you had to have an outstanding game for people to do that. But uh, before I leave, everyone, um, not permanently, just for a few days, um, I'm bringing in a new, a, a new thing here. So we have a, a positive and a negative. And I want it nice and quick, Scott, right? One positive from today and one negative from today. Uh, one positive being, I think that the game today gave the country a lift uh, over the given everything that's gone on in the last uh, kind of eighteen months. I'm not one of these folk who's. I'm certainly not one of these folk who's like, I don't know. We're, it's good that we're there, and we should just be glad that we've qualified. I'm absolutely. I don't mean it that way. But I mean just seeing all the flags and the, all the kind of things like that, which um, it's just really brought. Scotland as a nation back out and back to supporting the team and getting behind the country and really united. Um, so I was I was happy to see that. Uh, the one thing, the one negative, I think really for me, the only negative is that we didn't take anything from it. I think most of us would say that that was the game today that we really wanted to win, that if we were to have a chance of going through, that we needed to at very least take a draw from, and we didn't. Uh, so it wasn't quite the the warm welcome back that we were hoping for. But who knows? Scotland, we don't do things the easy way. My positive is I might get tickets to the Croatia game now because everyone's fed up. My my negative is Scotland got beat. <laughs> nice, nice and quick. Um, Gabe, your positive, your negative? Uh, the positive, I would say, is that we've got our 50-yard halfway line goal against us out the way, which is Scotland, so something like that was always going to happen. So this it happened in the first game, so now we know we've got that out of the way. We've got the memeable uh, moment out of the way. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. It's Scotland, right? So the guy who, the, the heroic guy who got you there and spawned all those videos with the Titanic music is obviously going to become a meme in the other sense when a guy twats it past him from the halfway line. That was going to happen, and we've got it out of the way. Um, the negative, I'd have to say, is, um, and I, I'm a, a huge fan of Sir Steve Clark, but the negative is, I think he got it wrong today, and I think he, I think he knows he got it wrong today. I mean, as as we've said, that it, I, I don't understand why he didn't start Adams. I assume the idea was that he wanted Christie to sort of 
go in and help McGinn against Kral and Socek in that position and give them something a bit more to think about, but it didn't work. I mean, the first time he was involved in the game, he got tackled by Stephen O'Donnell, so uh, it didn't uh, it didn't really work. So that, that would be my negative that I think Clark got it wrong, and I, I don't think he often gets it wrong. I don't think he gets much wrong. I am obviously a Kilmarnock fan, so there's, there's a bias there, but the flip side of that is I've watched his team's a huge amount of times but yeah I think he got it wrong today and I think that's obviously a big a big negative I forgot about that Stephen O'Donnell and Ryan Christie moment he didn't tackle me body checked him yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a proper cynical tackle just on the wrong guy um, Callum you get the final word much like Jerry Springer what was your uh, positive and your negative I think I would have to take a positive from the fact that we've not or appears anyway we've not lost Robertson or, or McTominay two players who I think are going to be absolutely crucial if we are to get anything on Friday. I think those two players have to be playing for the 90 minutes. I think they have to, to play really key roles with the experience they've got at club level, also with, with Liverpool and Manchester United respectively. So I think it appears that they've got through unscathed. Um, the result, of course, is, is, is a real negative. But I think the, the biggest negative is that maybe the uncertainty ahead of Friday. It, there's so many potential questions that Steve Clark has to answer. Is he going to stick a twist with the goalkeeper? Does he stick a twist with O'Donnell? What does he do with the centre-half position? And the midfield, we've all talked about maybe wanting to see a, a Turnbull or a Gilmore. I just think the positive, the positive is the two other real key players are unscathed, but the negative is there's just so many um, selection headaches, I think, for him ahead of a game that is more crucial than ever. And and, and obviously, I know you're an Englishman, Graham. I mean, we, we, we're, all, we're all looking at this on Friday thinking... There's that negative, it's terrible, there's that negative side of being Scottish that thinks we've conceded two today and we've actually had a decent bit of possession. Well, what's it going to be like on Friday against some real pace and quality up front? You think of someone like, like a Rashford or a Sterling on form up against the pace of Hanley and Cooper. It, 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 are you rubbing your hands there? I've got my head in my hands, you know. So hopefully, we, we, as I say, Robertson and McTominay can play a big part on Friday and gets through, but but as I say, I'm I'm very, very nervous. I wouldn't pretend that I'm not. On a recorded pod, I'm not going to say anything, but I am licking my lips, not going to lie. Um, thanks very much, as always, for joining, Scott, because I know it's not the easiest. Look, I wouldn't fancy coming on a podcast if England got battered, um, especially if it was such an excitable day. But but I appreciate you coming on, Scott. I hope you enjoyed yourself, mate. I hope you felt good venting. As always, mate, it's uh, always good to chat and get these things away and then we, you know, we're Scotland, we've been beaten before, we're beaten again and we'll move on to Wembley and we'll see what happens there. It's like a, a meme I saw summed up the day very well. It was like Scotland before the game and it was a Braveheart scene and it's Scotland after the game. It was the, the famous train spotting scene, of course. Um, Gabe, thanks for coming on again, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're very welcome. I'm sure I'll be back on later and I'd just like to take people behind the curtain a little bit that I've got a cat sitting behind me and I thought being a cat is going to do something to interrupt this but it hasn't so we got through it without any cat interruptions that's the second episode in a row that it hasn't happened Matt on the England Review pod who we were both about seven pints deep to be fair I think we were well he was held it again more than I did I can't quite remember doing the podcast but we both had cats next to us and they didn't do anything whatsoever but um, and Callum it's not technically your debut but it's been a while mate um, but it's great to have you back on great to have a chat again and stuff like that I feel a bit like I'm almost on a level pouring with Henrik Larson now so uh, thanks very much mate I hope you had fun pleasure to come on and if England do get that bad defeat please can Scott host that show
No, we're not doing one if England lose on Friday. <laughs> uh, just to make you all aware, there will be no review show if anything's negative about England. Thanks for that, joining us. And um, if that happens, that'll not be a podcast, mate. That'll be me out in the streets with a video camera outside Hamden to find your house. That will be a live. 30 minute documentary if that I, happens I, I can see like the last part of the that you want to introduce you all and here's Scott in a police station don't know how he got there um, but he is there no clothes but not a video podcast so all right um, if people are listening if you've enjoyed it by the way um, subscribe I've been telling people to subscribe because I've never cared about people subscribing but people are actually subscribing so uh, thanks I guess uh, that's great I don't really care if you do or you don't but if you do it's it's awesome. Thanks. Cheers. It's been a what the fork at the Euros and uh, we'll see you on, well, there's game every couple of days or soon. <laughs>